The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. There is no better three words to start a podcast with than Happy Brandon Day. Happy Brandon Day. You want to know why it took me so long to get through that opening is because I had to make sure in my head that it was three words. <laughs> I was thought you were waiting for me to chime in for a second. No. Nope. And I was about to say happy Brandon today. I'm like, wait, I think he's trying to do this himself. So I'll give it one more second. <laughs> Thank and you. For... Start talking. That's great. Brandon, you're going to be a great dad someday. <laughs> Just uh-huh. let let the kid figure it out for a few minutes before you jump in before you jump in and help i i got there i just was like wait a minute happy brandon okay that's definitely three dan you can do this do the big build up okay uh that's a technique by the way that you and i can do and i don't know if everybody can that's the broadcaster's tool where you're like your brain is thinking about something you have to say five to ten words down the line but your mouth continues to say normal human words while you're doing it it's a weird thing that i had to learn while doing play-by-play and then you do one of two things a you end up saying the wrong words together so (laughs) you'll end up taking the first letter of the next word and putting it in the word that you're talking about which happened to me all the time Um, (laughs) or two what you're doing is you're trying to count like for example how many strikeouts somebody has and you're like yeah he's had a great game he's already had and you're look, looking at your scorebook to see how many sco- strikeouts he has mm-hmm. as you're doing as you're talking it's yep. fascinating it's then difficult get, by the way then and you, then you're also saying like how much time's left in a quarter if you're doing basketball and you're quickly doing the math in your head um of, or how much time has gone by in the quarter yep have how uh what's your move when you're going through the strikeout total is it if it's too big of a number do you count them out or do you go do you go radio silent for eight seconds while you're counting them? I still haven't decided which one is my preferred method. What I do now is I mark the K and then I put the number next to it. Yeah, so good move. Find, find the most recent strikeout and look at the number. Is that for each pitcher or is that for total for the game? Normally it's for the first pitcher. I kind of stop after the yeah. first pitcher. Sorry, relievers. You're getting... You're getting exactly. jobbed on this one. You don't get enough strikeouts. No, that's, sorry. That's right. You get two or three max anyway. I can figure this one out. Anyways, who cares? <laughs> What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. It's Brandon Day. We got actually a few things going on today, but I'll tell you about those in a little bit. Uh, Brandon Marcus, Dan Bespris. I'm Dan Bespris. He's Brandon Marcus. You are at BD Marcus on Twitter. B as in boy, D as in dog, Marcus, M A R C U S. I am at Dan Bespris. D-A-N, B as in boy, E-S as in Sam, B as in boy, R-I-S as in Sam. I know it's annoying that I'm spelling it out right now for the many, many, many of you that have been listening for two to three years on this podcast, but this is a really interesting time of year because this is when a lot of people tune in for the first time. So welcome if you're joining us today for your very first show. I think you're going to be in for a fun one. Brandon and I here just in a moment are going to be talking about some of what we think are the most polarizing names in NBA draft circles right now. I actually went to Reddit to figure this out because no place is more polarizing than the good folks in the Fantasy NBA subreddit. Uh, That's to be covered. We're going to talk to Mike Katrin later in the show as well. He has a a podcast called Watching the Boxes. We'll break down a little bit of his draft day strategy. Uh, And then the rest of the week is going to mostly be going through more of the names, and this is for folks that have been listening already as well, uh, more of the over and underdrafted names on Yahoo. So that's what's coming up here uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on the program. This, of course, is brought to you by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Brandon, you and I both, I think, could use a cup, but we're struggling to digest caffeine. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to pawn it off on the rest of you. It's delicious. HawaiianIsles.com. HawaiianIsles.com is the website. H-I Kona Coffee on Twitter. Or, and they will tell you this, the cheapest way is just to get it on Amazon because you can get shipping for free. If you're a Prime member, just go to Amazon.com, search for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, and you can find all of their delicious flavors there as well. Brandon, you got any ailments today besides whatever you might be doing for Yom Kippur? (laughs) I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> now, 
Apart from that, no, no, I think we're good. And if this is someone's first time listening to the show, you picked a hell of a day to start <laughs> on the yeah. day that we go off the rails <laughs> all the time while still giving incredible fantasy advice. We have a very impressive ability to do both. Yeah, and, and we're modest about it, too. That's the most, yeah. impressive, most impressive part. So uh, diving right in here. The most polarizing names that I found when I was going through the various websites, the subreddits, the forums, the discussions, the number one name, and and this surprised me, actually, because I wanted to try to go into this thing without any bias. I thought the name was going to be someone like Mitchell Robinson or Trey Young or Luka Doncic or one of these guys that's getting a lot of buzz on uh, shows like this one on, on sort of the more niche podcasts. But the big websites, the guys that are getting blasted or lifted up, Chris Paul, I, I don't, may, I mean, maybe I'm misreading it. I don't think I am. I saw his name repeatedly listed as, you know, is this guy going to be a monster? Is he going to be one of the biggest bust guys of the year? By the way, the consensus on a lot of those websites is that he's going to be one of the biggest bust guys all season long. I am not going to offer my opinion yet because I want to just throw that name out there. And before we even get into whether we think he's going to be good or bad this season, does that surprise you that his name was at the top of the charts for most polarizing? I mean, I thought it would be somebody younger. Robinson makes sense. Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if you said Robinson. But honestly, Chris Paul makes a lot of sense. This is a guy that has been in the league for a long time. He has shown that he cannot stay healthy. He's going from an up-tempo Rockets team that will run and run and run, and he was asked to pass the ball and stay healthy, and he frankly couldn't stay healthy. Um, And now he's going to a team in Oklahoma City that we're not sure if they're a playoff team. They have Shea Gilgis-Alexander as the guy that they want to be their long-term point guard. There are the questions about whether he's going to eventually get traded to Miami, he being Chris Paul, and we don't know if A, he can stay healthy, B, if he's going to stay in Oklahoma City, see if he stays in Oklahoma City, if he's going to be shut down towards the end of the season, if they're out of the playoff picture, or D, if he's going to end up on Miami. So because of all those factors, that's why he is such a polarizing figure. And you look at the numbers, and you can see, obviously, he's still productive. But the question is, and this honestly is very different between you and I, or me and you, me and you, is that (laughs) you are a big roto guy, and you're a games cap guy. I'm a head-to-head guy. So a Chris Paul guy that's not that's going to miss a lot of games, that hurts me. And for you, it doesn't hurt as much. No, it doesn't at all. Uh, let's start with games played. We almost kind of need to go through each of his categories one by one to see where we fall on this guy. Um, I think he gets to about 66 to 68 games played this year, which is up from last season, up from the last couple. Um but I think he's going to be, I honestly think he's going to be in better shape this year. Because if it really was as tense in Houston as it was last year, I, that's a very reasonable time for somebody to sort of eh, maybe let those things get in the way of his best basketball ability. So I think he's going to be up a little bit. I realize that saying 65 to 68 is still a pretty low target. Do you think higher, lower, or am I close with that one? Here's the issue with that number. The issue is, is that we don't know if he's going to be shut down for the final couple weeks of the season if he's still on Oklahoma City. By the way, I think this team could be a playoff team. Their starting five is really good between Paul, Schroeder, Shea Gilders-Alexander, Adams, and Gallinari if they decide to go that route, which I'm assuming they're going to bring Dennis off the bench. So that won't be the starting lineup. But those five guys are really good. Um, the West is difficult, no doubt about that. If they were in the East, they'd be a playoff team for sure. Oh, yeah. But that being said... It's such a question mark, but I think that's an okay estimate Yeah. if thinking about injuries versus whether he'll be shut down. By the way, you make a fantastic point, uh, the fact that this is not a bottom-feeding team. So it's not like they're going to be eliminated from playoff contention at the All-Star break. It's probably going to be with, like, two weeks to go. So, yeah, they could be the A seed, by the way. They really could be the eight seed. Yeah, they'll be in there fighting with, I mean, depending on how you shake this thing out, I think they'll be in there fighting with the teams like San Antonio, uh, Dallas, the Kings are probably all going to be sort of floating around that bubble, right? Like, even yeah. if they don't make it, it's not going to be by more than, what do you think, four or five games? Yeah, do you know they're over-under for wins? 
uh, I'm usually, you know, this kind of stuff. I do. I have it. I can pull it up in about the next 30 seconds. Um, it's too low, by the way, is the answer to that question. Um, I would assume 44, 45 is a decent estimate for them. By the way, if that's what you're, if that's what you're sitting on, which is not crazy, you should pour your life savings into the over because uh, as I'm pulling this up, I'm fairly certain that their number is is closer to 40 than it is to 45 and it might be closer to 40 than it is to 35 um i just need to find this excel spreadsheet and i know it's close so buy me a few seconds here yeah i know i'm the question is for oklahoma city is a how long is their coach going to be there because we don't know how long of a leash billy donovan has and whether he's going to stay in the nba and go or go back to college basketball also we talk about injuries to chris paul well can gallo stay healthy is Steven Adams going to stay healthy? Because we don't know. I mean, they have some backups behind Adams. Noel, obviously, we've seen over the last several years when he gets the minutes. He's a very solid player. But we just don't know who can stay healthy. You want to have your mind blown? Yeah. 31.5. No. Yeah. What? 31 and a half. That, by the way, is down from the opening number of 32 and a half. There is no confidence. 31 and 51? Yeah, that would be that would be their okay. the, the most that they could win without clearing the number. Um, Get out of here! No way. Yeah, I'm I'm taking the over because even if they trade half their team at the All Star break, they'll probably still be in the mid twenties and wins by that point. This is a team that I mean, if you replace, you have obviously SGA and Gallo from the Clippers last year. You have Adams, Paul, and Schroeder versus what the Clippers are running out there with guys like Shamit. Zubots and whoever else is playing the three. I mean, obviously you have Lou and Trez, but I mean that that's really low. Yeah, this is the magic of losing superstars. They lost two, so the line adjusted down by two missing superstars, and then people bet the under instinctively when they hear that a team no longer has its two superstars. This is one of my favorite overs on the board, by the way. Love that over. Love it. Yeah. Um, uh, the only thing you fear is, do do guys like Chris Paul, Stephen Adams, do they get moved in, like, December? That could blow it up. But Who cares? I mean, they you still put Noel, Gallo, Schroeder, and SGA on the floor together? And how many more picks can this team accrue? Yeah, <laughs> they that's have, true. They have 30 already, as it stands. In any yeah. event. Um, okay, so games played... Uh, you're pretty close to that target as well? Yes. Okay. Um, all right. Cool. So let's work with the low end of that just for, for you know, like kind of conservative estimates sake. Um, minutes per game, he was at 32 last year. That feels like a number that's probably not far off from where the target is this season, 30 to 33, somewhere in that window. I was going to say 28, 29. Yeah. Even if you adjust it down there, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe out points per game and threes per game and instead talk about field goal attempts per game and sort of roll all of that into one volume discussion here. He only took 12 and a half shots per game last year with the Rockets. Uh, does that number go up, stay the same, or go down? I think, I think the same or maybe ever so slightly up. I think it's about the same. Yeah, and he never really had to take a ton of shots in his career. Yeah, he only has to take over games every once in a while. I mean, he tries to get everybody else involved. So you'd expect a line like 10 to 12 points to go along with 11 assists or something like that. Yeah, even in his final season with the Clippers, he took 12.9 shots per game. Uh, And the difference, of course, is that he shot 47.5% from the field instead of 42. uh, Because, and to me, I'm chalking most of that up to Rockets schemes. He he never looked comfortable on that team, and now he's going to run the offense. He didn't fit anything that the Rockets do. The Rockets are a, either an inside the paint or a three-point shooting team, and CP3 is a jump shooter. Yeah, he's an elbow guy. He likes yeah. to weave his way through nine people and then take an elbow jumper. We know this about him. So yeah. I have to think his field goal percent is coming back up this year. I would agree. Uh, free throw percent. I know 86 is actually a really good number, but that's... Uh, below where he'd been for about the last five years of his career. I think that's coming back up as well. To what, though? I mean, 88? Yeah, let's say 88. Small, small jump. Yeah, it'll be close. Okay, so you agree on that one. Assists, 8.2. I think that could go up in Oklahoma City. I think it's about the same. I think because you're, if you're looking at the number of possessions that Houston had versus the number of possessions that Oklahoma City will have, um, I think that he'll be more efficient with his assists. 
because obviously there'll be way more shots that Houston had off of his passes. But I think that 8.2 is about right. Okay. Rebounds at 4.6, I sort of don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's Doesn't fine. Matter. If you think about it, they don't really have a ton of rebounders apart from Adams. I mean, we talked about it before that Adams is a great guy this to have this year because Westbrook's gone. Yeah. So all those rebounds that Westbrook was getting, Adams is now going to get. Uh, two steals per game. He's always been a two-steal guy. What, any reason to see that moving? No. No. Uh, and the blocks is inconsequential. Um, yes. So it seems like... I mean, you. It seems like whether you know the how much is the discussion here, but I think you and I both agree that last year was about as bad as it could get for him. Yeah, it sounds about right. I think the issue, really, the issue is health. I think that's the only reason why he's going lower on some ranks. I mean, where is he right now going in Yahoo? Uh, late twenties, early thirties. Uh, actually, excuse me, thirty-three. He's 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 down a little bit from where I last saw him. Thirty-three. Rather have CP three or Tobias Harris. I'd rather have CP3. Okay. Which is, uh, but that's close because obviously one of those guys is notable for playing almost all of his games and the other is not so right. much. Right. Um, my thing with Chris Paul, and then we can move on to our next point of, point of order here, is there are very few guys you can draft at the end of the third round that could actually be first rounders on a per game basis, and he's one of them. That's sort of my short version. Yeah, not in head to head. Yeah, you could miss a lot of games. And the, the real key there is, will he miss the games at the end of the season? Yeah, that, that's why. Between his injury woes and the fact that he could be sitting at the end of uh, end of the year, that's why I wouldn't touch him. But I think that's why there's such a big difference, is that some people are in Roto style, where you have that games cap, or even Roto where you don't have games cap. And then you some people are head-to-head. So different players, obviously, are going to get selected. I mean, I, you and I have talked about it. Embiid, I'm probably not touching. As much as I would love to have those games where you get 30 points and 20 rebounds with four block shots, I just don't know if I can rely on him at the end of the year. Yeah, fair enough. Um, quickly touching on SGA, my only thought on him really is that I feel like uh, the buzz is going to push him too high. I mean, I'm seeing him go fourth, fifth round, and to me that kind of wipes out a lot of what I would have been able to squeeze out of him. I would have never expected him to go that high. I know that he was a name that even hoopball people were looking at. And after watching him last year, there was really no point except for probably a month stretch where he was a guy you wanted on your roster. And all of a sudden, he's getting all this hype. But I didn't get it. And then you look at last night, and man, he looked really good. He looked comfortable from three. He was four of eight, I believe it was, from three. Um, he was seven of 12 from the field, six of seven from the line, 24 points, four rebounds, an assist, a block. Means obviously long enough where he's going to get steals and blocks. Um, but if he can be efficient from the field and hit his threes, then he might live up to the hype, which I never thought I would say. Yeah. Um, how early are you willing to grab him? See, at fifth round's too high for me. Yeah. I, I would probably have to wait until like the sixth or seventh. And closer towards the seven. Yeah, he's he's moving, man. His his ADP is seventy seven, but it's been moving forward basically every time I've checked in on him. And he's a guy that in in a lot of pro drafts you're seeing go off the board a good one to two rounds sooner than that. So th- this is a guy I think as you lead up to all of your this is the listener now uh, real fantasy drafts. Keep a close watch on where he's going most recently and make your call based on that. The other really polarizing guy, this one is less surprising than the Chris Paul one to me, is Jaron Jackson Jr. Because I've seen him go uh, as early as the middle end of the third round. I've seen him go as late as the end of the fifth round. If he's sticking around until the fifth, I'll take a chance on that. Um, But I don't think I can take him in the third round. Where do you stand on JJJ? It's tough because we haven't seen him play with JV because... Jonas, I mean, yeah, Jonas was on the floor last year when Jaron Jackson Jr. was hurt. So we don't know how the two are going to mesh. But if you look at what he did last night in 28 minutes, I mean, that's what you have and you really salivate over is 18 points, nine rebounds, three block shots. I mean, he hit a three, pretty solid from the free throw line, decent field goal percentage. He's going to be pretty good all year. I mean, you love that stuff. The question is, A, can he stay healthy? Because last year was weird. 
that was really weird that we went through a long stretch where we had no idea what was going on mm-hmm. and he's day to day for a long time and that was really worrisome. Yeah. And how's he going to work with JV? That that's the biggest question. He didn't play after February 13th last year. Just basically a two month shutdown for all of the whatever stuff was going on. the The thing I worry about with Jared Jackson Jr. is that he didn't he didn't really rebound in his first season in the NBA, and putting him next to JV who's a prolific rebounder, I don't know that it's helping it that much. So he needs to stay on the floor and block shots. Yeah. He has an amazing fantasy game. I don't think anybody can deny that. I, to say, you know, I, I would never get on this pod and say this is not a guy who has an insane ceiling. The question is, can he get there? Can he stay out of foul trouble? You know, last year he had a stretch where he was fouling everybody and blocking all the shots, and then he stopped fouling everybody, but he also kind of stopped blocking shots in the process. So which... Which guy is it? Which is the dude that's going to be there when, when real, when there's actual real competition, not not uh, simple preseason stuff? Um, his ADP right now is 41, so he's going uh, sort of early in the fourth round. That's probably too early for me to take him. And I it's about right. It's about you're, right. You're good with that. Yeah, because if you think about it, he could be a top 25 guy. And if you want, you want to draft me that could be a top 25 guy. And if you think about it, I can easily like envision us sitting here next year being like, yeah, he's a top 25 guy. Like there's no doubt about it. Look at that fantasy game. It finally came through. He's good. He needs, I think he needs to average two blocks a game to get there. Right. That's possible though. Yeah, it's possible. They're going to get a lot of blocks though, between Jaron Jackson Jr. and Valanciunas. Can he be... Like 2011 Serge Ibaka? Is that is that the goal here? Yeah, Kinda, right? Yeah, he's a good ball player, though. I mean, the thing with... I know you don't like rookies, but usually in the second year is when they turn out to be a lot better. <laughs> I don't like rookies. Them. By I, the way, did you see me assist uh, my boy Ja got last night? I did not. Ten assists in 20 minutes. Yeah, but I mean, preseason. Sexy. Sexy. This is preseason. These are garbage games. You <laughs> played against a team from New Zealand. So that's, yeah. That's fine. yeah, these are not these are not real games. He was also uh, two of six in the field with three turnovers. But but <laughs> but uh, but so Serge Ibaka, by the way, 2012. I was off by I was off by a year. Uh, he attempted 10 shots per game in 31 minutes with the Thunder. Averaged 13.7 and a half rebounds and three blocks per game. That was when he rocketed himself into the top 30 and he stayed there for about two and a half seasons before Serge Ibaka became not so much Ibaka like 2015 the the shot blogging started to tail off a bit can Jaron Jackson be the you know 13 to 15 points seven rebound two and a half blocks a game guy because if so then he is a top 25 dude Uh, I think the blocks might be too high how many steals did Ibaka have that year only a half a steal yeah see I think JJJ is gonna be higher than that yeah, but I don't care that much about steals. I mean, it's nice, but... You love defense. I don't know. Don't sit here and say you don't care about steals. No, That's I just mean lie. from him. From him, I don't care about them. I, I'm going to get him in so many other places. I mean, we just talked about Chris Paul, who's going to get you like 2.2 a game. Uh, sure. And uh, Ibaka hadn't hit threes yet at that point in his career, so that'll be potentially a spot where JJJ could have a, a little bit of a boost also. Um, all right, so if he gets into the into the early 40s, you're good with it. Yeah, I probably wouldn't take it. It depends who's there. It, I mean, that the whole speculation about whether I would take somebody, it's really difficult because we're going to have a list, obviously, of guys that you True. really want. And if you're in a league with smart people, most likely the guy you want is probably not going to last until the next round or the round after that if you're going to try and pe- test it out and go a little bit longer. I mean, that's the issue is that can you wait on the guys you really want? I'm going to plant my flag in, a, in, a, in the three names we talked about here. And, and th- this yeah. is the best that I can do uh, is, okay, Chris Paul, I'm willing to take if he falls past 29. I'll take him there. SGA, I'm willing to take if he falls past 65, which mm-hmm. means I'm probably not going to get him that many places. And JJJ, I'm willing to take him if he falls past 44. Where do you stand with these three guys? And then we'll let you get back to your day. Uh, Chris Paul, I don't think I would touch until I have at least two very good players that are safe. So I probably wouldn't touch him until early fourth round. So I'm a little bit later than you. Okay. 
Um, Shay, I would not touch until 65. Ah, right in line with me. Good. Yeah. Um, and then Jaron Jackson Jr., probably at... You're hmm. er- I think you're earlier than me on this one by a little. Uh, probably about 35 to 40. Okay. All right. I like it. Um, yeah. Wonderful. BD Marcus. That's the Twitter handle. Go give him a follow. Brandon, thanks a bunch, my man. Happy Brandon Day to you. Happy Brandon Day to you. (laughs) I'll talk to you in a week. Later, bud. And that was our good buddy, Brandon Marcus. I thought that was fun. That was a good exercise in looking at some of the biggest uh, polarizing names on draft day. Where would you really take them? Look at the numbers. Handicap these guys. Find the upside. Figure out where it can come from what that translates to, and where you're willing to spend a pick. And that's that's how you find the value. And sometimes that means you're not going to get the guy. I'd love to have Jaron Jackson Jr. on my team. I might not get him because he probably won't fall far enough in a lot of situations. But maybe he does in a couple. Maybe I get lucky. I snag him uh, you know, early, mid, fourth round in some league. I probably won't because he'll probably be gone. But I'd love it. What if I do? Anyway. Um, want to tell you guys again quickly here about mybookie.ag, our betting partners here at Fantasy NBA Today. Mybookie.ag is the website. They are matching your first deposit. Heard from one of our listeners that he's having a blast with his buddy. They opened up an account. They got their deposit max. They're actually betting on NFL games right now and doing well. Congratulations, because I wouldn't. I'm, I know nothing about NFL. Uh, But we'll have NBA games going for real here in 13 days. Opening night is coming up right around the corner. I can't believe it. And you should definitely do that betting with our buddies at MyBookie. They care. They care. They have this great promo. You put in the promo code is TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y, the word TODAY. They'll match your first deposit when you open an account. Uh, We're going to be betting all these games throughout the year, so you don't have to worry. We'll hit all the rollover stuff. That just won't be a problem because there's so many games to go for. Uh, with the NBA, it's, it's six months long and there's like six to eight games every single night. We'll be fine on that front. So check them out, please give them a look, look around the website, make sure you like everything there, open up an account, and then you can bet along with us during the year. Again, it's mybookie.ag. It'll forward you. If you put in.com by accident, it'll forward you too. So, uh, either one of those should be a-okay. Let's talk to Mike Katrin now. These are always fun for me because I know going into these guest spots that I'm going to have to do less. And everybody knows me knows that I like to do less. Now nah, I'm just being a butthead. Uh, Mike Catron on the show, a fellow podcast host. So Mike, uh, make my life simple. First of all, hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Dan. How are you? I, I don't know how simple I'm going to make your life because I'm a, I'm a full-time slacker. And uh, usually my co-host Tyler does all the heavy lifting for me, so <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to help you out that much. Well, welcome to the pod. Uh, Tyler, believe it or not, has actually been on this show. We talked Mavericks last year. Mike and Tyler are the hosts of Watching the Boxes, a fantasy basketball podcast. Uh, fellow fantasy uh, degenerate slash lunatic, you can follow him on Twitter at Watch the Boxes, and you can find all the links you need over there. But you know what? Uh, this, is, this is a show, and I'm going to do the lazy host thing and say, Mike... Tell people other places they can find what you're working on, your show, all that stuff. The floor is yours before we dive oh. in. All right. Plugs first. I like that. Um, you can find me at Watch the Boxes on Twitter where you can uh, literally hit me up with anything. Uh, I am known for being a little bit uh, vulgar, so deal with that. And um, <laughs> you can find our podcast on Patreon.com slash Watching the Boxes or wherever you download any podcast. Perfect. We can roll from there. Mike, I want to tell the people a little bit about kind of how you got to this point. You were telling me before we came on air that this is not actually your first podcast. So what's the fantasy background? How did you loop your way into watching the boxes? And I, I'm I'm hinting to those listening, you may recognize a few of the names you're about to hear. Yeah, so um, I mean, I've been playing fantasy basketball since like high school. And I think I'm like the old man on the block Uh that's be like the year 2000, 2001. Mm, yes, that's uh, a quality year for fantasy sports. That was my first year also was my freshman year of college in 01. Yeah, a lot of old school uh, guys out there. A lot of Richard Lewis and Brad Miller on my team back in the day. Dude, I had um, Scotty Pippen on my team. Oh, man. Yeah, I had Jalen Rose, I think, even on one of my championship teams back in the day. 
Um, but I, I've, you know, maybe four or five years ago now. Wow. Um, I just started started writing for uh, whatever site would put some stuff up for me, and I was starting to put a lot of stuff on Reddit. And uh, our uh, mutual friend Mark Roberts um, was looking for a replacement for Kyle McCune going to Basketball Monster, and uh, said, "Hey, do you want to be on the podcast?" And I was like, uh, "Okay, I've never done it before, but sure." So I uh, had a few drinks to calm the nerves, and. Um, <laughs> Mark was like, you sure you haven't done this before? And I was like, no, I just like talking about basketball. He's like, all right, well, just come back and do it again. And uh, from there, the Daily Fantasy Basketball Podcast, rest in peace, um, ended up bringing me and Tyler together. And we still hit up Mark Roberts from time to time. And we've had Kyle on the show. And we're probably going to do a whole bunch of stuff where we're bringing people on the show in the lead up to uh, the season, which is like coming way quicker than uh, I truly expected. And we do a uh, Who Do I Draft series. So that would be probably the next step after our team previews. Uh, but, yeah, I just stumbled into it. And uh, luckily, HashtagBasketball.com is uh, hosting us and c- continues to support our show. And it's been, I don't know, it's been good. We've done like know, like 270 shows at this point or most. Yeah, there we go. Uh, it says in your Twitter bio that you are a libationist. So I figured we had to... You know, you ah. said you had the drinks there before going on your first pod. You got to do something. What I always said, and, and this is always the same thing for me in minor league ball, which was if I don't have those butterflies before the first game of the year, that's probably time to call it quits. The nerves are fun. The nerves are the point. The nerves are what bring you up a level, I think. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. So let's talk a little bit about fantasy basketball since that's why you're on the podcast you and i are actually in a uh a a 20 team draft right now but that's not what we're going to get into i wanted to talk mostly about broad stroke draft strategy stuff because we are really on the precipice here um i'm a i'm a buckets guy what are you are you a projections guy are you a a tears guy how do you prepare yourself for draft day um i do probably a lot uh, more than the average person needs to do um, I like to just pull in all of the rankings, all the projections that I possibly can, and I'm a little bit of a spreadsheet nerd. Uh, but what I what I end up doing though is kind of putting my uh, my players into tiers and plateaus. And so I've been kind of preaching this for the last couple years or so, is that I really feel like um, once you hit forty that forty five to fifty range the value of these players start to level off. And I'm kind of talking about the fact that you can see players um, like CJ McCollum drop a few percentage points, maybe drop a .2 steal here, and suddenly he goes from 42 to 61. Um, there's not a huge difference. And by that time, you've already drafted either like, you know three rounds, four rounds, uh, and you should have a solid team, and you're really looking for people to role play. So I don't want people to get caught up in rankings because I think they can be, be pretty misleading once you hit that like 45, 50 to like 75, 80 range. And then I think there's another plateau after that of guys who are really interchangeable and also potentially waiver wire fodder um, eventually all the way down the list. So I try to separate the the p- regular players from like the good top tier players, which I think I don't know. I've added a few more. I think the league is deeper than it usually is. I agree. Is. I totally agree. It feels like there are more possible names on the board. Is that and, and I haven't been able to isolate exactly why. Maybe it's is is it the higher pace of the league, or is it just that big guys are getting better at the things they were worse at before? Why do you think that's happening? I don't know. There is a new age big I call them the new age big men. If your big doesn't hit a three, he's actually a negative to your to your categories, to your Roto League, however you're playing. Um and same with like I, I, there's a lot of young guys. Usually rookies are of like KD was someone to avoid in his rookie year. And it seems like the last three, four years these rookies uh, matter in standard leagues. So that's a big change as well. So I don't know if it's a little bit of both pace, talent, um uh, yeah, a little new, bit of new new types of player, positionless basketball, maybe. Yeah, column A, column B, column C. Okay, so uh, I want to start with your lowest tier and work our way up the ladder. Then you were talking about, and and I uh, somewhat affectionately, I guess not really, refer to this area as no man's land, which is once you get past about 
that 75 mark. And last year it was earlier. This year I think it's a tiny bit later because, like you said, it does seem like there are a few more players of value. Everybody's kind of looking, and this is a complicated and loaded question, I guess, but when you're in a draft room, you've got the the list in front of you. You've got your window up, all the names running down the list. Your Yahoo deal has sorted itself by X rank or whatever the hell they, they call it these days. Um, once you get past that point, you kind of can go anywhere you want. So what is your strategy once you get to, say, the seventh or eighth round? Are you just ta- targeting whatever guy you think on your list is least likely to make it back to you the next time around? Um, I'm really actually looking for guys who perhaps could become a top 50 player. So whether that is because they are slow and steady, I think we're both subscribed to the the old man overlooked type of (laughs) players. I, I think I just talked about how DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge are both going like past the fifth round. And it, it doesn't make any sense to me because both of them will definitely be a top 50 player. Yep. Uh, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking for upside and I'm looking for consistency. And I want to do a little bit of both. I think you have to take a swing. You have to take a risk, uh, whether that be like Jonathan Isaac um, or Wendell Carter Jr. When, but you want to make sure you balance that with really, really solid old school players uh, like Paul Millsap or Marcus Gasol or even Serge Ibaka. These guys are going like way late in drafts, like around pick 90. And those are really, really safe picks. So I think you can take some like seventh round, sixth round swings because the – a lot of people are overlooking those old men, those old steady men. Yeah, you don't have to tell me about the old men. You know that's my cup of tea. You're trying to endear yourself to me because if so, it's working perfectly. It's um, it's just looking for value. Yeah, it really is. That's that's I mean, all it is. That's that. At the end of the day, don't you feel a little bit like people overcomplicate draft night? Yes, a hundred. And thousand percent, there people are thought, thinking about the playoffs. They're thinking about playoff schedules. Uh, they're like, well, what if Chris Paul gets traded and no one wants to take him, so he sits out in February? It's like, what in the what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> uh, that's well, first off, that's not happening in the draft. You have to make the playoffs first, and then you can do things like trade players during the season. Um, so just take the best value on the board and then build a team around those top four best value picks. Like, yeah. That's I, the easiest way to do it. I've, I've tried to put out there just this sort of, uh, it, it's a very in if it's an incomplete theory that if you just get a guy in your first five picks, that's a ra- basically around above where you got them. You'll probably be in the top three of your league without doing almost anything else. And it's not, I yeah. mean, it's again, it's an incomplete thing, but everybody's so worried about reaches and, and like you said, playoff schedule and, and rest days and, and all this. And some of that stuff is obviously important. You don't want to take a guy who you know is going to miss 15 games at, and, and then rely on them to play 80 because it's not happening. That's just logic. But you know, I, I feel like people get caught up chasing the shiny toys so very, very often, which is why actually I think that time, that past the 75 mark is so interesting to me because it's where I start to chase the shiny toy and I feel okay about it. And it sounds like you have that same thing, which is like, look, I'm going to look for a guy that might get inside the top 50. So Mike, this is my follow-up question for you on that front. For me, I'm always weighing two things when I get past that point. Uh, On one hand, I'm weighing which guy I want the most. And on the other hand, I'm weighing which guy has the best chance of lingering into my next pick and sort of banging those two fists together to figure out which guy I'm going for. It sounds like you tip more towards which guy, regardless of where they're ranked, regardless of whether you think they might make it back to you, you just take the guy that you like the most once you get that point. It could be guy 125 on the whatever list or guy 140 or guy 95. You're not worried as much about whether they're getting back. You want the guy that has that best upside. Yeah, I'm almost not even looking at rankings. And I even, I mean, build your queue. That's what I always tell people. Build your own queue that you can look at and then compare it to the rankings that Yahoo or ESPN or whoever, wherever you're drafting happens to be because the values are really, really close. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're not going to see a, a, a giant difference between players at 93 or 119. 
they're either going to get you the stats you want and the categories that you need, or or they're just going to be across the board players that you know raise the uh, the the tide, the raise the uh, raises the water <laughs> of your team, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's the right metaphor. Yeah, but... it's lifting all the boats. I got where you were going yeah, with that. Yeah, there it is. Um, yeah, so like if I need a point guard and Jeff Teague's hanging around, okay, he's going to start. Like that's a really late, late pick for me, but I don't care what ESPN or Yahoo has these people ranked because I've already done my due diligence of building my own plateau or my own tiers um, and that's where I really suggest other people do because, you know, some people might be like, I would never draft Jeff Teague ever. And it's like, well, everybody can be drafted depending on what position you happen to be in and what <laughs> your team looks like. So don't say ever. But, yeah, I, I, I don't really – I don't even look at the rankings after – especially after like 75. All right, so what about that next tier up, which I think you said was kind of the 50 to 75 range? What do you, What's your move in there? I'm actually loving that range because I feel like there's a lot of top 50 players falling into that place in the draft. Totally, f- yeah. There's a lot of value in like round five and six, and then I feel like every- people are a little overpaying in rounds like into round two, into round three. So like I- I've been telling people like, hey, you might actually have to overpay for Miles Turner, if but if you want a center and you already have points, like Miles Turner isn't that bad at the beginning of third round, while in the fifth round you're going to still see LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, uh, mm. DeMar DeRozan sitting around there. So what I'm looking for in that fifth and sixth round is same thing. Guys who I know who uh, I, I'm pretty sure are going to be either potentially top 50 players or have been top 50 players in the past. So I think Lowry Markadon is going to be a top 50 player next year. If he stays healthy, He's a 20 and 10 guy. Is he going to be like a top 20 player? No, he just doesn't do the defensive stats enough, but he's someone who can improve. He has a higher ceiling than, you know, let's just say Julius Randle. We know who Julius Randle is. You know, every time you say LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, I get like one click happier on whatever that happens. <laughs> <is. laughs> you're, you're killing me here. Um, no, but I completely agree with you. And just to, to sort of take that thread a tiny bit further, this, I think, falls into what we had started to talk about a minute ago, which is people are chasing shiny things and these less shiny guys that should almost always go inside the top 40 to 45 range are falling into I w- the, the, the fifth round, the sixth round, sometimes even the seventh, a little bit less often there. I have said in drafts, I've typed in the draft window, so someone can go back and quote me on it, that there are times where I'm looking at it, I'm like, sometimes I just wish I had like three fifth round picks and didn't even have my third or fourth. The third and fourth round are stress rounds right now because you feel like you should take one of those guys that's going in the 25 to 48 range, but yet at the same time, I almost feel a little bit more confident that, you know, guys 50, 51, and 52 are going to all be better than the dudes that are left for me in that range. Would you ever consider just skipping over guys with ADPs in the 25 to 48 range, or is that a, is that a bridge too far? I think that's the, uh, the flip side of, of a draft strategy, is that you have to know how other people are drafting. And if you're drafting with strangers, you're not going to figure it out. But if you're drafting with friends or you're drafting with a league that you, you kind of know, is that, yes, Trey Young is going to go in the second or third round. You probably really wish you would have got him in the fourth or the fifth round, but there's not a lot of guards that get good assists. So that you're, you might be overpaying for Trey Young in the, in the end of the second round, but technically that is going to be, if that's the market value, that is his value. And so I, I wouldn't mind going for Al Horford or um, even, let's see, who, you, who do I really like? You, you can't uh, say LaMarcus again. You've already used up your quote on, on my guy. Cl- oh, Clint Capella. Clint Capella people are overlooking yep. a, a lot as well. Uh, Chris Middleton people are overlooking a lot. Are those going to be like third and fourth round values come the end of the year? Yeah, there's probably a good amount. But the value is taking them in the fifth and sixth round. So that's why I don't mind uh, ending up with uh, having to draft DeAndre Ayton in the third round or D'Angelo Russell in like the end of the third round, Pascal Siakam, 
even though there's a decent chance that they finish behind some of these guys going in the fifth and sixth round. Mm, yeah, that's exactly how I'm feeling about that as well. It's really, it's, it's such a weird stretch of the draft. All right, we're going to move up one more tier here as we work our way up for the, the bottom up on this one. Talking to Mike Katrin at Watch the Boxes on Twitter. Uh, okay, so fourth round, third round, we've sort of touched on those. Those are the, the even a little bit into the second round. What about, heaven help us all, the eight to eighteen stretch. This is this is the 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 ten eleven guys that everybody's talking about, and we can't get ourselves away from. Which guy are you? And sell me on it, because you probably know how I stand on this. I'm I'm a pretty conservative drafter in fantasy circles, but although I anyway, maybe I could pick a different word for it. I'm a safe drafter in fantasy circles. Um, but sell me on whatever you are. Are you the guy that likes to, to take the Kawhi Leonard uh, at 9, 10, 11? Or are you the guy that likes to take the, oh, I don't know, Drew Holiday, who's probably going to play a few more games at a slightly lower clip? How do you build your team if you're stuck in that tough stretch? Um, depends on what league I am playing in. So <laughs> I'm playing a lot of Roto Leagues. So I do actually really um, kind of favor Kawhi Leonard over uh, a lot of people's opinions on him. The new normal is going to be around 70 games played. And in Roto Leagues, it's really about per game value, getting a quality start. Because the games that Kawhi isn't going to play, I'm going to be replacing him with an average player. So like getting someone who's you know five, six times better than the average player is still worth you know, 68 games, 70 games. So when you have someone of Kawhi's, like, if you told me he was going to play 80 games this season, would you consider him the fifth pick overall? Would you take him over Jokic and Dame? Yes. If you could guarantee 80 pick, Yeah, see? If you could guarantee 80 games, Kawhi Leonard is an incredible player. So if you're in a, even if you're in a head-to-head league, the value is still there. So I, I do like Kawhi Leonard there. I like Embiid a lot there. Um... They're just very, very unique players because I think you know who Kyrie and Bradley Beal and Jimmy Butler are. Um, I really want a per-game value player on the turn this year because I think the return is going to be pretty nice. And, like I said earlier, come January when either you know they're in the middle of the swing of things or they're playing really, really well – they're now more valuable. You can trade them. You can move them. So it's not about value in the sense of where you think they're going to end up at the end of the year. To me, it's the value of like what is going to be their max value during the span of the year. And I just think like Kawhi Leonard's span of the year, he'll have a time period where he might be like a top four player and Kimba Walker won't. No, he will not. There's there's yeah. no way he gets to that point. Yeah, I, I'm – and I've said this on some shows recently, I'm very slowly sweetening on Kawhi Leonard. I'm less sweet on Joel Embiid. I still don't trust that he can actually play through some of the stuff he's got going on with that knee, and he's just such a giant man, uh, where where Kawhi is a less giant human being. Um, and, you know, with Roto, percentages matter a lot. And oh, yeah. Kawhi's incredible at both. Yeah, you you don't trust that Joel Embiid lost twenty pounds. He's totally fine. He's got a three point <laughs> shot. You know, I love this time. I love this time of year. It's the best. Everybody's got a three point shot. Everybody's cut. Everybody's cut. Lavery Bradley lost nine hundred pounds this offseason. I don't know if you heard that. Also, for the stealing title this year, I heard. Yeah, there's also that. Also, um, I can't believe how much people have been talking about Avery Bradley this offseason. That's the big forget that there isn't even a news story about it. Why are we even talking about it? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, we were over that. It's yeah, not. it's the it's the darndest thing, man. It's the Laker effect. What do you think? It, it really is. If people wonder why guys still want to go play for the Lakers, this is a perfect example of it. No one would have cared if Avery Bradley had signed on any other basketball team, and now people have been arguing about him for a week on Twitter. Avery Bradley, we're talking about. Anyway, uh, that was that was a rant on the way, and I'm going to try to cut it off because <laughs> we're talking to Mike. This is this is not about Avery Bradley right now. Uh, you said you've got some stuff coming out on Watch the Boxes or Watching the Boxes. Excuse me, I got to get the name right. Watch the Boxes is the Twitter handle. Eh, you're trying to trick me here. Uh, yeah about players to and to not draft. Can you give me a, a sneak preview of what folks might get if they were to tune in? Uh, yeah, we are really... 
I mean, we're really trying to avoid blowing your draft. You you cannot win your draft in those first few rounds, but you could definitely, definitely lose it. And I think, you know, there's a lot of risk around some of these players I've been seeing going kind of like a little bit higher than I, I, I thought they would be going. And I'm talking about like guys who are unproven. So like Thomas Bryant. The name rings out, right? But it's uh, it's ringing out in those sleeper circles, in those industry circles, and I just don't, I don't see it. Yeah, there's like a good up, there's a good, good upside there, but like taking a risk on him in like the third round, no, uh, I, I find quite insane. When, um, and, and there's a lot of overlooked players as well, and they're usually, I mean, I think you've already listed them all in your your old man list, but like, <laughs> you can keep saying it, man. I feel happy every time. I swear. Yeah, like Kyle Lowry. Was going in like the sixties and seventies. Sixties and seventies. Like, yeah, nobody it's... wants Kyle Lowry on their team, but after pick fifty, what, what, why are you not drafting him? Yeah, you don't need to be targeting a guy like that if a dude that's been sitting in the top thirty-five for a decade uh, is going thirty picks later. That's it's foolish not to grab him at that point. But yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that one. Thomas Bryant was a guy who, you know. It, we needed him to have less hype coming out of the end of last season, but he got a few good games under his belt to sort of to expose the fact that he had a really fantasy friendly game. And, and, you know, we, we wrote him for a long time last year when he was quietly putting up decent numbers, but then the wizards being terrible and the hype train thing and guys like that end up rocketing up the charts. Uh, we are seeing him start to drop back ever so slightly here as we move towards the last couple weeks of draft season. And I wonder if it's, the the hype sort of got so far out of hand that everybody took a step back and went, whoa, guys, like we yeah. can't be spending the end of a fourth round pick on a guy that's never played more than about 22 minutes a game. We just don't know what's going to happen. And Scott Brooks, if he gets his hand on a veteran, the whole thing could blow up. Yeah, definitely. The coaching is a whole another bag of nonsense that, uh, that we do get into in our team previews. Um, but yeah, like, Mitchell, we're not high on Mitchell Robinson. We're we're not. I mean, he's going to be a block specialist, but can he stay on the court? Like he gets in foul trouble. So like, I him Zion, all those like Zion's going to be great. But like Zion in the first round was happening like a few months ago, and we're starting to see all those guys kind of start trickling back down into reasonable mm-hmm. like finishes for the year. But still, like they're fin- that that's a, like a ceiling for a lot of those guys is in that third fourth round. So, you know, do you want to pick a guy at his ceiling or I don't? Mike, you know what I'm finding? You and I agree a lot. And it's a, it sounds dangerous. Yeah, I know. I was going to say. Great minds, man. Great minds. It's great minds. I don't know if it's the world's best radio. We're not yelling at each other enough, but that's okay. I I like, I like getting along with folks. That's, that's, uh, I I mean, okay. So pivoting back to uh, just the last couple of thoughts here before I let you get back to your day. It seems like, as we work our way through these first few rounds, at round five, am I, am I trying to, I'm trying to put all of your thoughts together from my, my strange array of questions here. Round five, is that where you start looking a little bit less at, hey, can I get a guy who's one round better than where I'm getting him and look a little more at, hey, can I get a guy who's two three rounds better than where i'm getting him or is that still a little bit later than that i feel like that's actually when it starts right around round five you're seeing people have already started reaching and it's usually the people on the turns which if you're on the turn you do have to reach for your guy but that usually means you've reached maybe one or two rounds down too low and if you accidentally reach three rounds too low uh well then that means plenty of value for the people who are hanging out in the middle of the rounds. And I think like fifth round is when you're starting to like Otto Porter. All right. That guy's great. That guy's really, really good. He's not the sexiest name. He's gonna not going to have a great stat line every night that you can brag about. Mm-hmm. But the dude is uh, in Roto. He's fantastic. And then even in head to head, I feel like people think like, oh, I'm punting. Otto Porter does a little bit of everything. I don't want him. Well, you still want people who do the things that you in the categories that you're not punting. And he does those things. So seeing him <laughs> slip into like the 60s and, and stuff just – it confuses me. It, it completely does. I just don't I just don't understand it. Tobias Harris is going a little too late. Um, I think I've – though, looking back on all the people I said who could finish in the top 50 in my uh, the podcast that we'd be doing, I probably do have about 60 people in the top 50. So I, I might need to re- <laughs> reevaluate. 
<laughs> yeah, there's you're running out of space. What? There's a shortage of chairs. Is that the is that the line for that one? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that one. I, I just I, guys that can easily do th- better than people realize. And when they say they're punting, what does that even really mean? I, like I thought that I was punting rebounds in a head-to-head league last year. And Jonas Valanciunas was on the wire because he was hurt for so long, and suddenly I was winning rebounds. I just, I don't, I don't like that philosophy going into draft night. There's usefulness to guys that can help you win percentages, and in roto, which is where I spend most of my time, uh, if you have if you have decent percentages in both, you can basically walk into eighteen to twenty roto points just avoiding guys that blow up those categories. It's pretty easy to just not screw up those. Whereas the other seven categories, you kind of have to, well, maybe not turnovers as much, but six out of the other seven categories, you actually have to work to count your stats. The percentages are really the only ones where all you have to do is not screw them up. Yeah, just don't go for someone who is going to murder your percentages. It's pretty easy. It's it's pretty simple, yeah. And I I like to ignore turnovers even in Roto Leagues because the guys who are getting all the stats, they turn the ball over. But I, I don't. I really also try to get people to stop thinking about it as punting, but thinking about it as ignoring. Just because a player happens to get good, you know, let's say rebounds, and you're punting rebounds, well, if he's still getting one point five uh, steals in a in you know two blocks a game, I don't know who that would be. That's like a first round guy. But that guy sounds let's good. say he's getting a block and a steal and a th- one point th- uh, five threes a game, but he he gets a bunch of rebounds too. And you're oh, I'm putting rebounds. Well, he gets the other stats too. Just ignore the fact that he gets rebounds. Yeah, and like you said, you can still trade guys. That's a that's a yeah. thing you're allowed to do. You can get a guy with great value who maybe isn't a perfect fit for your team and trade him for a guy who has that is a perfect fit for your team that maybe you didn't know about on draft night. Maybe somebody else made a really wise call and you're like, Well, I think I'd rather have that guy and he's ranked five slots lower. Well, guess what? You probably can get him in a one for one trade and you end up winning out because he's a better fit for your team. Um, Mike, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you taking the time, kind of dialing up your draft strategy. And also, it's really nice to talk to a fellow uh, curmudgeon, such as my, like myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm very salty. Yeah, I love it. At Watch the Boxes on Twitter, follow Mike immediately. Mike Catron, check out the podcast as well, also called Watching the Boxes, uh, available where podcasts are located just go to go to the go to the man's Twitter feed. That's the easiest way. You can get everything over there. Mike, thanks again. Yeah, thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Two seasoned broadcast guests on today's podcast. That was an easy one for me. I I don't have to do nearly as much <laughs> on these types of shows. Um, thank you to both Mike and to Brandon on today's podcast for uh, for jumping on with me here. I know we're just a hair over the one-hour mark, so we're coming towards the end of the program. Wanted to remind everybody of a couple of things. Number one, if you love the show, please, please, please take a moment to drop a five-star review on it uh, over on iTunes in particular, really whatever service you're using. That is what helps us move up the charts along with, obviously, listenership, subscriptions, but ratings. When people then search for a podcast and we come up and you know, it looks like a good rated show, they'll give us a check. Well, listen, it's how we grow faster. It's why we're never going to ask for your dollars and cents. This is a free podcast forever. All we ask is that if you like the show, throw a nice review on it. We really appreciate that, and that'll help us keep growing. Other note, I do have another coupon code for you guys. The Brewski 150 is still in the draft guide, and it will be until draft day. So you got to get it. Brewski 150. Yes, Aaron Brewski's the... 150, the one he makes that wins all of these leagues, the one that got you Pascal Siakam at 140 last year and helped you win your league on draft night, is in the draft guide. They're both together at hoop-ball.com. Go over there, buy it today with the promo code Mike. That's an easy one. M-I-K-E is the promo code for today in honor of our guest Mike Catron. Because Brandon's a co-host, so he doesn't get a promo code on this show. <laughs> it's Katrin. Uh, Mike gets the promo code. It's M-I-K-E. That'll get you $3 off any of the products over at hoop-ball.com. Please do check them out immediately. And as I've said on a bunch of shows recently, if you'd like to get involved with us here at Hoop Ball, uh, here at Hoop Ball, if you want to cover a team, 
let me know on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. If you'd like to write for fantasy, let me know, at Dan Bespris. You want to learn to be a podcaster? You're already a podcaster. Hit me up, at Dan Bespris. If you have anything you think you can contribute to the cause, hit me up, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. We're always looking for good people, regardless of your skill set. We want folks that are passionate and want to build this thing. So bug me. I don't mind. Also, if you have questions about the stuff we're talking about here, fantasy-wise, you can hit me on Twitter for that as well. Social media is the way to go. Again, coming up the rest of the week, we'll talk to Coach on tomorrow's show, get an update on his DFS action. The dude has won every single day, I believe. Maybe missed one. I think he's like 5-1 and one on his DFS cards in the preseason so far. I might be off by a tiny bit, but he's crushing it. He's crushing it. He and Mike and their show, you got to go check out DFS today. They're literally winning you dollars in preseason games. That's coming up on tomorrow's show. Uh, we will, of course, continue to talk about the over and underrated players on Yahoo. And I'm really excited to start talking about some of the weirdness over at ESPN's rankings. Those things are out of control. That'll either be starting tomorrow or on Friday. We've got an interview with the great Dr. A coming up in the next couple of days on the podcast as well. Steve Alexander coming on the show. And you just have to keep listening if you want to find out what order all of that stuff is coming in because, honest to God here, I don't know the order yet. Figure it out as we go. That's how we roll here on Fantasy NBA Today. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Again, my Twitter handle is at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Have a lovely Wednesday. If you are of the Jewish faith, have it easy. Yom Kippur. Enjoy your breakfast. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.